we were flying blind, but yet we were trying to grow our business. So we ended up creating KISS metrics to help companies like us, you know, track all these metrics and help improve their overall uh, growth. Welcome to the Disruptware Podcast. Whether you're just starting up or scaling your software business, we interview the experts with ideas and strategies you can implement today. Now here's your host, Paul Clifford. Hi there, software entrepreneurs, and welcome to the Disruptware Podcast. This is the show for entrepreneurs who are either just starting out or those who already have a software company and are looking for techniques and ideas for massively scaling their business. And the way we do that is to interview experts in the market who are already running their software company. And whatever level they are at, they have great content to share. And we dig deep to get factual experiences that you can put into action right now. My guest today is someone by the name of Neil Patel, who is the co-founder of Crazy Egg, Hello Bar, and Kissmetrics. And, you know, he also runs an excellent blog called Quick Sprout, which is all about traffic generation. He's also um, helped companies like Amazon, NBC, GM, HP, and Viacom grow their revenue. The Wall Street Journal calls him a top influencer on the web. An entrepreneur magazine says that he's created one of the 100 most brilliant companies in the world. Okay, so Neil, welcome to the show. I'm very honored to have you uh, here today. I'm blown away by your amazing achievements over the past few years. And obviously, I, I know what you've achieved, etc. But, you know, in your own words, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and, and your background and, and what you're doing now? Yeah, no problem. So I'm a serial entrepreneur. I like building software products for marketers. And uh, at the end of the day, my current two software companies that I really enjoy spending my time on are Kissmetrics and Crazy Egg. You know, Crazy Egg, I guess, for the benefit of um, you know of listeners, is about tracking heat maps, isn't it? So it's tracking sort of activity, what people are actually doing on your website. That's correct. It shows you where people are clicking and where they're not, so that way you can improve the usability, your conversion rate, etc. Right? Yeah, brilliant. And so, what what gave you that idea? How did you actually you know get into that? So it was a collaboration. The idea came from a collaboration of me, um, my co-founder, and a guy by the name of Ryan Nichols, who was uh, at that time a product manager, designer. He had his own company, and he you know, later took a nine-to-five job somewhere else. But um, awesome guy. And what we ended up finding out is when we had a marketing agency, companies were like, we have all this traffic coming to our site. We don't understand what these visitors are doing. Why aren't we getting more conversions? So we try to create a visual representation that would help solve this problem. And, you know, Kissmetrics is, you know, an analytics um, platform. Um, but, of course, you know, at the time, you know, Google Analytics was really, really big. So what, what you know, made you go into Kissmetrics? What gave you that impetus to do that? Yeah, so Kissmetrics is pretty much Crazy Egg 2.0. It just got renamed and spun out of its own company. Right. When we were creating Crazy Egg, we had an issue. We couldn't figure out our lifetime value of our customer, our churn rate, what was causing it. We were flying blind, but yet we were trying to grow our business. So we ended up creating Kissmetrics to help companies like us you know, track all these metrics and help improve their overall uh, growth. Right. In essence, we were providing insights on their customers. Right. And what's, you know, what's the key differentiator between something like that and, you know, Google Analytics, which, you know, when you talk to people about analytics tool, that's the first thing they do, right? They say, oh, I've got Google Analytics and it's free. Yeah, Google yeah. will tell you what happened on your site, like how many visitors you got, etc. Kissmetrics shows you who did it, right? And it'll tell you which customers are doing well, why they're churning, what actions did they take before they churn. 
So it's all about getting more insights about your customers so that way you can improve the user experience and maximize your revenue at the same time. And how, you know, so when you created this, um, you know, you had this vision um, and, you know, you had Crazy Egg and then Crazy Egg 2, which turned into Kissmetrics. You know, how did you get your first 20 customers, you know, into Kissmetrics? Yeah, it was just manual outreach. We hit up right. companies that we thought would be a good fit and we offered them to use a product for free. And are they still are they still using it for free or did you then say, right, you can only use it for a certain period of time and... Yeah, we said a certain period of time. Some are still using it and paying, and some are not. Right? Product right. evolved a lot. Right. When we first started. And so, did you go to like big players or people you know, like influencers in the market, so that you knew the word would spread? Uh, we we didn't end up going to the big influencers right away. Once we had a product that we felt people would pay for, we have product market fit. Then we started going to the influencers and trying to get press. Right. So really, you just wanted like you know a- anyone on on the platform using it initially to get feedback, right? Correct. Anyone that would be ideal customer. Okay, cool. And then you know, taking that forward, how did you scale it? You know, how did you grow from you know from the first twenty or fifty up to how, how many have you got on the platform now? Customers. Yeah. Uh, I do not know, but it's in the thousands. Right. So I guess it's that scaling stage, right? You know, going from the first. 20 or 50 up to the thousands what what was the big change there or how did you know you build that that momentum to actually get all that those sales on board it's just time and marketing right right (laughs) bless you you. thank you so one one of the main things that we ended up doing was we looked at uh, content marketing as a way to acquire new customers and that's one of the ways that we really were able to just grow the business Right, because you're continually acquiring new and new customers by educating the market. Okay, that's, that's probably how the majority of the customers found us still today. So everything comes down to publishing great content, and and I guess you're pushing content into the community of people who likely to use your product. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So you probably have to live in, you know, I mean, what what's your target, your ideal customer? Uh, a marketer who works at a software-as-a-service subscription or an e-commerce company, and they do at least $10 million or more in revenue a year. Okay. So so you kind of need to hang out in those environments, in those communities, and push out educational content um, to those communities. And obviously they see you as the authority, and they're, they're learning from you, and that's what then builds the leads and, and I guess, the, the sales, yeah? Exactly. Okay, cool. And... You know what? Did you hit any initial challenges in that growth? Uh, it's always tough, right? Yeah. There wasn't really any specific initial challenges. There was just a lot of challenges, and over time, you overcome them and you continually grow, etc. Right. Right. And you know, in terms of the the technology, the growth of the platform, um, you know, do, do you get it all built here, or do you, do you outsource it? Yeah, it's all built in the U.S. Okay. And in terms of scaling, do you have any challenges on that? You know, because a lot of people, you know, they, they build a product, get it out there, get some customers on, um, and then if it takes off, you know, all of a sudden they get a bit overloaded. That's correct, yeah. You're going to struggle. You're going to make errors. You're going to make mistakes. You just have to keep adapting, learning as you're going and, you know, moving fast. You know, moving forward, you know, what are your thoughts on pricing models? You know, because that's something I get a lot. You know, people thinking, you know, should I do freemium? 
Should I do free trial? Should I just get people to pay for it from day one? You know, what's your experience in that, you know, in that world? You have to test to see what's right for your business because every product is different. Mm. But my favorite, of course, is always freemium because it makes the cost to acquire a new customer much more affordable. And then, but do, do you face challenges then getting them to actually put their hand in the pocket though? Yep. So um, at the end of the day, so you're saying, do you face challenges with the data when you're doing freemium? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the challenges of freemium, of course, is you get you, you, your customer acquisition, um, or at least your lead acquisition, um, is is really straightforward, right? Because you can get all these people using it for free. Um, but the the issue then is like taking that that free user to a paid user. I think they call it the penny gap or something like that. You know, the it's a different type of customer, and sometimes the leap. You know, from freemium to actually paying for it is quite a challenge. Yep. You know, and I was wondering what your thoughts are on that. How, how, how can you make that really, really work, you know? Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a numbers game and you just have to continually test. So a lot of people with freemium, where they go wrong is they do a freemium product uh, that – they do a freemium product that um, isn't – like they don't try to – figure out how to reduce feature sets or only provide the necessities and then get people to upgrade to get the extra stuff, right? So it's a very tricky thing when you're doing a freemium business. It's like finding the right mixtures. You know, the trick is finding or making sure your product is so good that people fall in love with it. That's know, right. it's, it's that tipping point, right? You know, so when, when, when you really love something, you're going to tell people about it. Yep. And that's what creates the growth. Definitely. It's, um, what are your favorite sort of growth hacks, Neil? You know, and in fact, the growth hacks, I'm, I'm starting to loathe that word, you know, because a lot of people are using it. But basically, we're talking about, you know, more traffic, more customers and, and everything. But what, what are your favorite sort of strategies around that? Yeah, one of my favorite strategies is uh, trying different things outright from, you know, referral programs to referral programs for more space or whatever it may be to like using work emails and inviting work colleagues, right? And sharing data with them. But you just got to really see what ends up working. A lot of times I limit feature sets and be like pay with the tweet to see the rest. So it's like you can do some fun stuff. Pay with the tweet? Is that a good, a good yeah. approach? I found that to work out really well. And can you just explain what that is as such? So like if you want to give away something, and you want to charge for it, but people can't afford it, you can say, hey, you can either pay like five bucks for it or you can pay with the tweet. And a lot of people will pay with the tweet and some people won't want to tweet it out from their profile, so they'll just buy it. And we found that the companies are more likely to buy it, but individuals will uh, tweet it and get it out there for you. Great. That's a really good idea, actually. And I guess, does your model have to be, is that, is that only going to work for sort of a really low price model or can you, no, you know, we've do that for enterprise stuff as well? Yeah, you can do it for almost anything. Uh, Untitled startup, I'm trying to think what their company name is, Simply Measured, they changed it. So Simply Measured has a, you know enterprise type of accounts and they do a paper, pay with the tweet type of model as well. Anything else? What, what, what else do you think is really you know, current and works right now as a good sort of traffic strategy? Content marketing, SEO, a lot of the other old stuff still works well. Paper. Right. I, saw, I saw your post on guest posting and you know, Matt Cutt put out a a video about the death of well, what people are perceiving as the death of guest, guest posting. But in fact, that's not really true, is it? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, at the end of the day, I think Google will penalize companies who are using guest posting to 
manipulate rankings. But what they won't do is, um, I think guest posting is still valid, especially if you get it from high authority sites and it can drive traffic and sales, right? So you just need to focus your guest posting efforts for acquisition versus for manipulating search engines. Right. So focus really on, if you take the mindset of, you know, creating a quality guest post and looking for sites that have, you know, high traffic and a high authority and view it as a traffic medium rather than a link generation medium, right? Does that make sense? Cool. Because, uh, you know, and in, in my community, I've got a lot of people who um, are either bootstrapping or they're thinking about getting funding. Um, and, you know, I was wondering, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, because there's two schools of thought and some people want to go hard in and just get massive funding and explode. And, you know, other people, and in fact, nowadays, more and more common, people are really trying to do things out of their own pocket. Uh, I like the concept of trying to do stuff out of your own pocket. I've always been a big fan of that. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to do what's right for you. But if you can do something out of your pocket, that's great. If you are trying to create a huge company, you need a lot of capital, then you should look at investing money and or raising about, money, not investing, but raising. Did, did you start Crazy Egg, you know, with, with your own money? We did. And then Kissmetrics, we were trying to make much larger at a faster pace. So we raised money. Right. And did you take, you know, with Kissmetrics, did you go to the investor community and basically say, this is like Crazy Egg version two, or did you sort of go in with a completely different pitch? A completely different pitch. And um, so, you know, when Crazy Egg started, you know, that must have been quite expensive to build and, you know, you had customers coming on board. How did you fund that? You know, if you funded it out of your own pocket, do you have some sort of other revenue stream or anything else coming in? I used to run a consulting agency and we we're making good cash from that. And your consulting agency was? For marketing, yep. Okay, cool. You know, tell me, you know, your thoughts in terms of entrepreneurship. You know, what, you know, you are a very, very busy guy and, um, you've got, you know, quite a few businesses now. Um, you know, Kissmetrics obviously being the big SaaS one, but you, you run, you run a great, uh, blog, uh, Quick Sprout. Um, and, you know, that's all about traffic generation. Um, but with all these different businesses, how how do you keep focused or how do you know what to focus on You know, as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I try to focus on one business at a time. And the main one I focus on is uh, Kissmetrics. So. Okay. But I'm always impressed. Like, you know, when when I look at Quicksprout, you know, and someone maybe do a blog post, is, is it you answering all the comments, you know, that are coming in? It is me. Yeah. So, you know, you're spending a lot of time there as well. Uh, and I think that's fantastic. And, 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 you know, and amazing you can do that. But me, when, you know, I've got like three businesses and I find it really difficult to divide my time up among those businesses and stay focused. So for us, we actually get a lot of our customers for Kissmetrics from Quicksprout, which is why it's also worth it. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And, you know, when you sort of start your day, apart from doing interviews with people like me, you know, do you have some sort of ritual or, or you know, how do you plan out your day so that you know what you want to achieve? So, um, I, well, I pretty much have an assistant. The assistant tells me what I need to do for the day. Yeah, that's my wife. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, what I try to do is like plan out my week so at least I can divide up my time. Um, but from your perspective, you know, just focus on one business at a time. That's that's your view, right? Yep, exactly. Now, interesting, going back a bit, you know, we we share one thing in common and that we're both born in the UK. Um, I haven't lost my accent though yet. 
And sadly, I don't have any. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, like, where did you get your, you know, your entrepreneurship or your spirit? You know, the you know, as an entrepreneur, because I think it takes a certain individual, you know, to be an entrepreneur. It doesn't suit everyone. Um, and you know, I I relate, you know, my experience to to my dad who like created like at least two businesses that failed before his third one was successful. Um, and I've also worked in three startups and I've re-admired some of the leaders and the people at that startup who, um, you can just see the grit and the determination that they have. And so, you know, I'm quite inspired by that. I was wondering like your background, you know, what sort of got you into this whole world? Yeah. Um, I've always known the computer space. That's all I've really known or the internet world. I grew up with it. And my mom has been an entrepreneur for years, so I got it from her. And my both my mom and dad always encouraged me to, you know, be an entrepreneur and do whatever I want, etc. So it's helped out. Where do you take your inspiration from nowadays? You know, what um, do you do? Blogs or thought leaders do you follow? Yeah. So where I take my inspiration from now is um, just reading around the web whether it's from TechCrunch or O'Malley's personal blog or, you know, Mark Cuban's blog or Copy Blogger or Moz. There's a lot of good content sites out there, right? And just by reading and learning what other people are doing, it actually inspires me quite a bit. So, Neil, listen, I think we're coming to the end. I know you're really, really busy. So um, do you have any sort of thoughts, you know, for um, for my tribe, you know, who are looking to build software businesses? And just yeah. Go out there, do it, and give it time. Like it's very rare to build a software company that does well within a year or two. Usually, it takes a few years so before it really starts picking up. But give it time. Listen, Neil, I really appreciate you coming on the show. You know, I found some insights really, really valuable and useful. The listeners on the show will find that too. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed the show, you can get the show notes from disruptware.com. And if you are not a subscriber and you're listening to this in the iTunes store, then please visit disruptware.com and sign up. That's it for this episode. Look out for next week's show. I'm Paul Clifford, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Disruptware podcast. Check us out on the web at disruptware.com.